Bible Sealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. One of the greatest controversies always has been Trinity versus a binary versus a two-ness doctrine versus a oneness doctrine. And then in the 40s, 1940s, there was a Jesus-only doctrine where it uh, was totally an era that Jesus vacated heaven and uh, became a man and it, that was uh, uh, not a transmutation from spirit into flesh. <laughs> uh, some crazy idea. The Word of God explains it perfectly, but it has to be revealed through the Spirit of God. And you can't do it with an intellectual mind. And that's where the problem comes in. When we believe Jesus and believe the Word of God, that it truly is the Word of God, then everything becomes very clear in the Spirit of God, not in the flesh. With an intellectual mind, it always short circuits. It will be a direct contradiction. For example, when we have uh, that Jesus prayed to the Father, and he did, that we think there has to be another person. You'll see that if the Spirit that dwelled in Christ Jesus also dwells in you, it shall also quicken and make alive your mortal body. And that is that the Spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead. Well, it sounds like that is another person. It's another office of the Spirit. And we see in John 2 and verse 19, Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days, I'll raise it up. I will raise it up. Now, he can't be declared to be the Son of God until the resurrection from the dead. Why? Well, we can say he's the Son of God all day long. We can say that he is the Spirit of God. There's no proof. But any person that can raise up his own dead body has got to be God. And that's exactly what he expressed in John 2.19. Now the Jews said 40 and 6 years were they in building this temple and you're going to raise it up in 3 days? Jesus spake of the temple of his body. Not a car, not an iron, a physical brick and mortar temple, but naos, a spiritual temple of God, which now temple we are. Jesus in the days of his flesh was the dwelling of God, housed permanently in Christ Jesus in that one body. We say it in Colossians 2, 9, for all the fullness of the Godhead dwell, dwelleth, dwell, that is, present perfect tense, dwells in Christ Jesus bodily, one body. Now, we are that body of the Christ. The body is of Christ. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Now, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And that's another thing that many short-circuit on again. They're saying, well, Jesus was a man. And because he was a man in the days of his flesh, that he can't be God, now he can have God in him, if the Spirit dwells in you that also dwelt in Christ Jesus, it shall also quicken your mortal body. Well, Paul tells us that. Quicken or make alive your mortal body through that Spirit Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, Jesus stated to the disciple, there in the days of his flesh, and this is where people get confused. They think that Jesus, simply because he's praying to the Father and talking to his disciples, 
about the Father being greater than him. That he's not the Father because my Father's greater than me. Jesus stated that. That things concerning me have an end. Well, they can say, well, certainly there is a, a differentiation in the man Christ Jesus and the Spirit. Well, of course there is. And that's the reason why he said, Jesus, who being in the form of God, Morpha. Now, that's what most don't understand, that Jesus is in the form of God, who being in the form of God, his very being is in the form of God, the Morpha. That is a Greek word that is an eternal state of being. Jesus, who being in the form of God. Now, we stop right there. Well, God is a spirit, and those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, not when an intellectual mind. You can't figure this out by intellectual reasoning. The natural mind cannot, cannot know these things of God. They're spiritually discerned. But the problem is that what we have in our seminaries have turned out to be intellectual teaching through rightly dividing the word of truth in the intellectual knowledge leads to heresies. When it's led of the Spirit of God, then you have truth. The facts will contradict themselves. Genesis one twenty six and Genesis one twenty seven is the perfect example in the first chapter of the Word of God. Genesis one twenty six. God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness. He uses plural personal pronouns, us and our. But the very next verse is a direct contradiction. So God made man in his own image. Male and female created he them. Well, now we have singular personal pronouns. Well, in the, the intellectual reasoning... In the knowledge of man, after the tradition of the elders, well, it is a direct contradiction. But when you have contradiction in the Word of God, it's to lead us into the deep, going digging through the sand and digging deep to find that true rock, the true revelation. And by doing that, it propels us and compels us to go deeper in the Word of God to find the truth. Jesus said, I likened him to a wise man that dig deep and founded the, the rock. After you find the rock, you build your house upon that. Not scriptures upon the sand, because if you do it on the sand, which is a type of worldly knowledge, a worldly gospel, a denominal church world, on the precepts of men, at the doctrine of men and not after the doctrine of Christ, then, in the time of trial and testing, when the winds beat against the house and the flood, it will fall and great will be the fall of it because it was built upon the sand. A sand is worldly revelation, intellectual revelation of man's thinking. We see the, tra tra the tradition of the elders that made the word of God in that effect. Well, to find the truth, we have to seek God for that truth with a pure heart. We can't just come to God and say, okay, Lord, I'm reading, so uh, just drop the truth to me and I'll receive it. 
You have to be broken, humble, and contrite. You have to be diligently seeking him with your whole heart. You have to mean business with God. And that, when you do so, he said, I'll be found of you. But most seek him after a worldly fashion, thinking, well, I need to get this taken care of in salvation. Then I'll go on about my business of making money, paying bills, going up, buying bigger houses, purchasing more land, increasing my investment portfolio, whatever the case is. Well, that's the worldly ways. A man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses. But that's the worldly religion. It's a prosperity gospel. That if you go to church and you please Jesus, he's going to bless you with money. And that is simply not the case. He said, the poor you have with you always. And he talked to the church at Smyrna and said that you are poverty, but chosen the poor of this world rich in faith. The Lord didn't rebuke them because they were poverty or they were poor. But on the contrary, he said, you're rich in faith. But then on the other hand, you have Laodicea. And that seventh church mentioned in Revelation 3, the last one. Laodicea says, I am increased with goods. I'm clothed, fed, and I have need of nothing. A self-righteous church and going after the money. Not anything tried and asked by fire, nothing of a tempered mortar for the building of the wall of salvation, nothing that's been through the fire, nothing that's had tribulation or persecution for the word's sake. They're increased with goods, clothed, fed, and have need of nothing. A self-proclaimed statement from Laodicea. Howbeit, the Lord reproves and rebukes corrects him, said, Knowest thou not your poor, wretched, naked, and destitute? Now that is a totally mistaken identity again. Well, that's what the denominal church world has turned into for the most part. Now there's some that are totally uh, believing with their uh, intellectual mind and are at peace that they have finally found the right Uh, salvation, and please don't upset their apple cart. But yet, things are always changing in the dynamic word of God in a preceding word. That we have to be pliable in the hands of the Lord, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. There's no such thing as uh, the place of light. The way of truth is not stagnant. It is not where it is isolated uh, in one place. It's dynamic. It's always on the move. It's the way of light. And it is always propelling us, compelling us to go higher. So those that are in the Lord Jesus Christ, seeking him diligently, realize that there are higher heights and deeper depths that we have to go in the height depth, length, and width, and the knowledge of Christ. Here in the last days, we must come to the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. The biggest problem we have is that we're on the wrong foundation. The anomalous church world has had its foundation moved where their rock is not our rock. And we'll see, and you'll hear evangelists preach the Deuteronomy 32 message 
and they'll say, how shall one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight? Talking about, well, you put the devil on the run. When it's up, it's definitely opposite of that. Now, take a look at the word of God and he's talking about the consumption, the consuming fire upon this earth that will be here in the last days, in the latter days, that he warns us about in 1 Timothy 4.1. The Spirit speaketh expressly, with certainty, that some shall depart from the faith. Depart from the faith? I thought it was once saved, always saved. No, it's not. We have to be led of the Spirit of God in a broken, humble, and contrite spirit, and to these will the Lord seek after. Those are the ones that will follow the Lord whithersoever he goeth, and he's constantly moving in a greater light, greater revelation, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, until we, the body of Christ, reach the full, full perfect image of Jesus Christ. Nothing short of that's going in. Now, that's hard for some to take. Think, well, I became a newborn babe in Christ. I repented. Well, that's the first step. But, but most are not even born again thinking that they are. You find that in Smyrna again and in Philadelphia, saying that they are Jews and are not. Well, how could they think that they're Jews and have that, that much of a mistaken identity? But what is a Jew? We have to understand what that Jew is in the sight of the Lord. Romans 2, 28 and 29 tells us that he is not a Jew that is one outwardly in the circumcision that of the flesh. That's a natural Jew. But he is a Jew that is one inwardly, circumcision of the heart in the spirit, whose praise is not of man but of God. Well, then you have these false teachers, stating that baptism has nothing to do with salvation. Or if they do say that baptism is essential, then they say it's in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost because a name in nominative it has nothing in attributes that it doesn't have to be invoked or spoken in the name of Jesus. There are so many different heresies that if we're not careful going through this minefield of the nominal church doctrine after the doctrines of men and the tradition of the elders has made the word of God in effect, we will be literally destroyed upon these line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Why? that those that do not follow the leading of the Holy Ghost will be ensnared and be taken. And somebody said, well, it's a very simple word of God. You just believe on Jesus, you're saved. Now that is a person that has no knowledge of the word of God. They're telling a basic, bold-faced lie. You have to set your heart up on the things of God. Not a, not a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word not loving and word and tongue, say, I love Jesus, and then you go out and lie, cheat, and steal, and do everything you can to destroy the body of Christ, the true believers. But not loving in word, but in deed and in truth, provoking the body of Christ into love. 
and uh, that preferring your brother above yourself and bearing one another's burdens and so fulfilling the law of Christ. The law of Christ is that I have loved you and I died for you on the cross. Therefore, this same love that I've showed you, you are to have this same love to the brethren. We perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. 1 John 3, 16. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We'll have an opportunity an opportunity to do that in the last days. There will be a great persecution against the church, the real church. And we'll find that it'll be a division in the body of Christ. It will be those uh, foes will be of the ones of their own household of the true believer. Jesus stated that. Well, the devil comes in with peace. Everybody's going to heaven Jesus is not the only way, just as long as you do good to your neighbor and you don't kill anybody and you pay your bills, you're going to heaven. That's a, that is another extravagant lie. Well, what's the truth of it? Well, it seems that Jesus sent peace on the earth, goodwill to men, yes, when the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, but not yet. He must reign until all things are put under his feet. We don't see all things that are under the feet of Jesus now. The kingdoms of this world are still in operation, seeking their own things of government. Wars and rumors of wars. Why do they war? Because they lust after the flesh. They want more land, more fame, more property, more money, more territory, and it's always been. We've seen that all through history of Assyria, Egypt, Babylon, Media, Persia, Greece, Rome, all the different generals, and all the way to present day. And we have wars right now on the face of the earth. Been one in Ethiopia for years that's been going on. The Tutus and the Hutus killing one another in Africa. And these have been in the millions. But it was not publicized because it really meant nothing to anybody. But now we have the wars that are highly publicized. Russia and Ukraine. Oh, my. Well, we must stand for the nations. How about standing for the kingdom of God? And they say, well, I do. Really? When we start talking about the truth and who stands for truth is, is very, very scarce. It, the righteous scarcely be saved. And that means with difficulty. That means with persecution. And very few understand that. So God is now raising up his body that in this earth right now, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They will proclaim the everlasting, eternal God Almighty in the blessed and only Lord God, the blessed and only potentate. Only one, not a trinity. Well, they go and say, well, now, there is a difference in the Son of God and the Father. There's a difference in the Word and the Father as far as the office goes. What's the difference? I'm a father. I have a son and daughter. I'm a husband and I have a wife. I'm a preacher. That's my vocation. I'm also a singer. I sing. I'm also a songwriter. I've written songs. I'm also a musician, keyboard player, 
And I can say that not only that, that I'm a neighbor. I have neighbors next to me. And we can go on and on. You get the idea. But it's still only one person. But what we have been duped by is that God has all these different persons in the Godhead. And showing that there is a different function of an office, but it's a different spirit. And that's where the lie is perpetrated. That's going to take hundreds, even millions, hundreds of millions of souls, possibly billions, to hell. Simply because they have not had the revelation of Jesus. Grace reigns through righteousness, and the righteousness is what propels and is the uh, power or the basics for grace to effect, effectually work in our heart and our spirit. Righteousness is all by God, through God, and in, in, in God of himself alone. That's the God life. It's called godliness, a little G-O-D, L-I-N-E-S-S. You see it without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. That's the God life. That's living the epistle, a living epistle, being a light to this world, that as Jesus is right now in present truth, so are we, are we the body of Christ in this present evil world, manifesting the present truth of the word of God, not something that happened 2,000 years ago in an upper room. Now, that certainly is truth, but we leave, therefore, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. We're leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go into perfection. Very few preach that. Why? Because it upsets people's apple cart. You're dealing with what they have put their apples in a row in a very simple, easy believism gospel that all you do is ask Jesus to come in your heart and you're saved, which is a lie. Only the ones that come into the measure of the statue of Jesus, doing the perfect will of God, will be able to enter the kingdom of heaven. We have to turn back to the true and living God. Not some uh, ecumenical council or synod back in 20, 325 AD of a Trinity gospel. And certainly not the God-man in Christology in 451 AD. That's a lie, a gross lie. There's only one Spirit of God. Now, when we get that principle correct, that truth that there is only one Spirit, then we're well on our way to understanding how God works salvation in and of himself alone. But there's only one body. You'll see it in Ephesians 4. There's one body, one Spirit. Well, who's the body? Well, now we are who was the body in the days of Jesus' flesh. Jesus was, the Christ, was. I'd use the past tense, was, because God was in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 3.16, that's the mystery of us having the God life or godliness. Notice that godliness is a mystery, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. And that's what overthrows the faith of many, trying to figure it out with an intellectual reasoning, deductive reasoning, inductive reasoning, taking the Hebrew, Greek, Aramaic, Chaldee, Latin, whatever, 
and in dissecting the word of God and the verb tenses and whatever the case is and trying to intellectually figure what the writer was writing in the context of the word where all you have to do is seek God diligently for his spirit. Now you'll get revelation because it's only through the spirit of God that the word of God is revealed. To the natural mind is foolishness to him. But the spiritual, be spiritually minded. And the only way to be spiritually minded is having the spirit of Christ in you. Now in the days of his flesh, he is that body. In the volume of the book that's written of me, I come to do thy will, O God. For a body that has prepared me. Who's me? The spirit of God. There's only one spirit. When you say, well, wait a minute, me is the son of God. That's the second person. No, it's not. Because he is the word, all things created by him, Jesus Christ. First and foremost, Jesus was in the form of God, who being in the form of God, not made or being made equal, but being in the form of God, and thought it not robbery to be equal with God in all of his attributes. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Right there in that first verse, we find that God created, and we see in Colossians 1, 16 and 17, all things were made by Jesus Christ, created by Jesus Christ, whether it be thrones, principalities, powers, things visible, invisible, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. It's the word of God. The word is the spirit of God. The word is the father. Why? I can say that I'm a father and referring to me as the father is Dennis Beard. But I can also say that I'm a husband. Referring to my wife, my lovely wife, Sister Diane Beard. Well, She's my wife, so I can say the husband is Dennis Beard. Irrevocably and not lie. And I can say there that I'm a neighbor to my next door neighbor. And my I'm his neighbor, which is that neighbor to him would be Dennis Beard. It's the same person. Well, Jesus is the express image of of his person. Hebrews 1, verse 3. We see that, that Jesus is that spirit. He's the Lord. It claims it. Paul did by this revelation, by the spirit of God, that the Lord Jesus, who being in the form of God, spirit. Hmm. Well, he's not spirit, Jr., He's not a father and a son being two different spirits. There's only one spirit of God. You believe in one God, you do well. The devils believe in all, so tremble. Well, that Jesus being in the form of God. Now, Paul's going to tell us how Jesus as spirit will redeem us. Well, we've got a problem. The problem is that Jesus created a man in his own likeness, in his own image. Now, wait a minute. Somebody says, that wasn't Jesus, that was God. 
That's right. Just because he hadn't revealed his name yet, because the name would be the blood name of God, and God hadn't taken any blood yet. The revealed name of God and the unveiling of that name and the revealed name of God had not been revealed yet. That's the reason everywhere in the Old Testament, when they wrestled with the angel, Jacob did. And what is your name? And he touched him in the hollow of his thigh. Who was that? Well, he wrestled, and it said he had power with God. Changed his name from Jacob, heel planner, supplanter, heel catcher, to Israel. He will rule with God. Well, who is that angel? Well, we find there in Genesis 48, the angel that redeemed thee. Now, the angel doesn't redeem anybody. We know that Jesus revealed himself in an angelic form. But he's always been in the form of God. He also revealed himself in Exodus 3 to Moses in a burning bush. Well, that fire was in that bush, but the, the bush was not consumed. Moses said, I'll turn and I'll see this sight. Moses, take off the shoes off your feet. For the ground you stand on is holy. Holy ground. And then he tells Moses, I want you to go down and deliver my people. I've heard their cry. I've seen their affliction. I've heard their cry. I want you to go down and deliver them. One man, Moses, drawn out of the water. Moses said, well, what is your name? That when I go down there and they ask me, I can tell them. He said, tell them, I am that I am. Not I am who I am. Why did he say that? Why did Joel say, this is that spoken by the prophet Joel? The last day, former and latter reign. This is that. Peter stated it also in Acts, the, the second chapter. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel, former reign. Because that is all the attributes of God in his person. That speaks of, uh, I am that I am, that wisdom, that power, that glory, that understanding, that prudence, that love. And keep going with all the attributes of God. He is that. Every attribute of God stands on its own in a singular personal pronoun as stated in the word of God. I, wisdom, was daily his delight, Proverbs 8. That's an attribute of God. It's not a person. Anybody thinks that's a person needs to have their head examined. <laughs> uh, why? Well, we get so ridiculous that we think there's going to be Many persons, if we go over the attributes of God, we have a thousand persons in the Godhead, which is ridiculous. We find that each attribute of God, Jesus is. He states that in Revelation 1.8. He is the Alpha and Omega. That's the first and last letter of the, he, of the Greek ABC theory, which is 
equivalent to R A to Z. Well, there's a lot of different letters in R in R A B C D E A B C D E F G etc. And every one are different, but it's one. It's one. It's one. A B C D E the A B C's. Well, if you're going to write a word, you better learn your ABCs because that's how you spell. Well, that's how you reveal. You reveal what you're writing in the thought, plan, and purpose, and will in your word and in the letter. And the words reveal in the Holy Writ. Well, so did God. He wanted to reveal himself. So he tells Moses, I am that I am. That is Jesus, I am, who does who do you say I am? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well, that's God. But it's not just one attribute. One person. But that one person has many attributes. That's the letter us. Make man in our own image. Pro-personal pronouns are attributes of God. And Proverbs 8, I wisdom daily was his delight. And it speaks it in the third person. And I, wisdom, dwell with prudence. Another attribute. With me, there he is. Understanding, there's another attribute. So the attributes of God are all one person. God himself alone. We see it in Isaiah 44, 24. God spanned the heaven by myself and the earth alone. By myself alone. Isaiah 44, 24, he did not use the angelic power force. He did not have another spirit. And God said, and it happened. If you speak something out there, it's not another person. It's your word. You are your word. Well, in that first verse of the word of God, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Seven Hebrew words that when we look at that is Bereshit in the beginning, bara, created, Elohim, the self-existent eternal God. Then there is a short word there in the Shamash, in the very middle, in that servant branch, right in the middle of that, seven words, that fourth word is an aloftav. It's not transliterated in the English. We just have in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But in the Hebrew, the Elohim is the aloftav. Bereshit, in the beginning, bara, created. Elohim, how? Elohim, the plurality. And Elohim, which we are told to be plural, no. If it was plural, there would always be a plural verb tense following it. Elohim are. No. Elohim, God, is the Lord's. Always used in a singular verb tense. Why? Because there's only one person. But there's many attributes. That's the im, plurality. Elohim, the plurality of God and others with attributes. Not just one attribute. He is the Father. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of Man. He is the Tetragrammaton. He's Yahweh. He's Jehovah and all the Jehovah titles. There is not just one attribute of God, but that doesn't 
tell us there's many persons of God because that is a damnable heresy, denying the only Lord God. Many attributes, but only one God. So that middle word, that's Shemaz, that center word of which all in a seven, you have three on this side branches, three on that side, but that center word is the central focus of the Shamash or the servant branch, which holds the other three up. That's God, whole uh, provision of sevens throughout the word of God. And we know God, perfect number is seven. All the world knows that. Well, Bereshit, Barah, Elohim, eight. Alavtav, Hashemayim, Bayert, Hayertz. What holds these three branches on each side? The Alavtav. It tells us who the Elohim is. Who is it? It's the Alavtav. The Alav through the Tav, the A to the Z in Hebrew. And there's 22 letters in the, that Hebrew Abyssinary. So coming up, we're going to go into the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's right, the last book in your Bible. I think you'll find it very interesting, those of you that have a heart for God, a hunger for God, and that you are stirring yourself up to get that. You see, hunger is not just automatic. You have to do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Then you'll be filled. Then we're going to bring to you a and an expounding on Revelation 1 through 22 in the Hebraic design of the ABC theory. And you'll see it's not in chronological order, but it's an amazing revelation. And it's Jesus only, no second person of the Godhead, no way it can be. And it will, re if refutably, show that he is one and only one God and not another. Revelation 1 through 22, built upon the ABC theory of the Hebrew, the Hebraic design, gives us the insight of the work, not only the person of Jesus, but his work as well in judgment. And we'll see that it'll combine a combination of all the work of God from old and new of out that scribe that instructed into the kingdom of God, bringing out of his treasures both old and new. Old Testament, the old New Testament concealed, and the New Testament, the Old Testament revealed. And the revealing is Jesus Christ, not the Father and Jesus Christ, not the Father and the Son, Jesus Christ, but Jesus Christ, that he is the Father, the God of glory, and is not another. And we will cover that from the A to the Z, the Allah through the top. Tune into it, don't mess it. We'll have the smart board up running, and we'll show the each alphabet letter, the Allah, the numerical value, in Bible numerics, one, and the picture that associates with it, the ox. And we'll go through each chapter, one through 22, and I think you'll find it a shocking revelation that it is the love letter to you, not to destroy us or mankind, and not fearful where we think, oh my God, that the world's coming to an end. 
<laughs> that it will reveal the true love heart of God in his seven seals. In Revelation 5, they he that sat upon the throne had a book in his right hand with seven seals. Sealed with seven seals. Why seal it? Because a seal is a sign. And there's seven of them, seven seals, which brings us to perfection, just like there's seven feasts of the Lord. And it shows us the work of God, not only the person of God, the one person, not a trinity. And those that see that there's only one person of God are well on their way to understand the work of the ministry. Without understanding that, it is impossible to know the work of the ministry because it reveals only one, the one and only eternal God Almighty, Jesus Christ. It shows how he has been glorified, and now we are the body of the Christ, and it will come to the mystery of God that will be finished, that all that God has done in his work, which is righteousness, will be revealed. Grace reigns through righteousness. Uh, grace cannot be affected and work in you except through righteousness. So the grace comes to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We see that in 1 Peter 1. We see in Romans 6, well, Romans 5, by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, death by sin, therefore by one man. Now we'll look at the man, Christ Jesus will prove without a shadow of a doubt that he is that spirit and he works salvation in and of himself alone. He made himself a body of flesh and blood. He made it in under the law. And by doing under the law, where he would be our kinsman redeemer, he had to lay aside all of his attributes, every bit of them. So Jesus, who being in the form of God's spirit, Philippians 2, 6. Thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He's in the form of God. Then every attribute of God is equal. And he is that father. Somebody said he never said that. Yes, he did. But the ones that do not have the spirit of God and the leading of the Holy Ghost and that truth can't see it because it's only revealed by the spirit of God which is the Father. Somebody said, the Father's not in us. Yes, he is. The Father is Jesus, which is Christ in you. You'll see that in Ephesians 4. There, are, there is but one body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, who is above all the Father of us all and in us all. There's no way you're going to split that and say, well, no, the Father is not in us, but the Son's in us, and but the Father's not. Yes, it is one and the same Spirit. The Father is the Spirit. Son is the Spirit. In the days of his flesh, he was a man. He, to do that, he had to empty out of glory. He had to lay aside all of his attributes. He had to become a man like us. But after he fulfilled that law as a man, being tempted at all points, like as we are yet without sin, he went back to his former glory and all attributes. That same Jesus whom you crucified, what they don't get, 
in a Pharisee spirit. Is that same Jesus whom you crucified? God hath made him, that man, that was emptied out of all attributes, that grew in favor with God and man for us, for other, for our redemption, our justification, our sanctification, ultimate glorification. Then fulfill the law as a man. Perfect, spotless, blameless man, the prophet, the perfect, spotless, blameless, high priest, prophet, lamb of God, offered himself willingly and died on the cross, taking the ordinances of that law, nailing it to his cross as a man, broke it down that middle wall of partition. And said, Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. Nothing worthy of death. Now he is going to raise up his own body. That will prove beyond any doubt that he is God, the Father of glory. In John 17, 5, Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory I had with you before the foundation of the world. Before I laid it all off and laid all these attributes off, I want all that back. Glorified with your own self. Not something less, but glorified with the Father's own self, with the glory I had with you before the foundation of the world. God put it off, and he put it back on. Well, when that happened, now you can see John 2, 19. Jesus stated very plainly, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Not my father raised it up, I will. Why? Because he is that spirit and going to show that he is the father manifest in the flesh and declared to be the son of God, Romans 1, 3, and 4. How? Declared to be the son of God through the spirit by the resurrection from the dead. When he raised up his own body, just as Jesus stated, then that declares him to be the son of God, the father revealed. Well, there's not another. Now we're going to break it down for you. Now be sure and tune in. Don't mess us. It's going to get good. <laughs> it's going to get even better. There's nothing good but God, and he alone is God. And we're going to be lifting him up. Revelation 1 through 22, the Hebraic design of the Hebrew ABCDRA, giving us inside, not chronological, but the total Hebraic design and the revelation of Jesus and who he is in every attribute of God, the re re revealing, unveiling of Jesus Christ that God gave unto him to show unto his servants things. Only the servants of God will see it. Tune in. Well, God dealing with you, please sure and contact me. And it's time for this word to go over all the earth. We've been going to Africa since 2012. We need your help. And those that donate, God will bless you. Uh, we're not going to tell you God's going to give you $1,000 if you give a hundred. He'll bless you. He'll have fruit going to your account in heaven. And he that won the souls is wise. Amen. If you're called to preach and, and, a, and a minister of the Lord Jesus Christ, which all of you are, and God speaks my name to you in this ministry of the DPM, contact me. We'll do it together. Love to talk with you. Well, Visit us on the websites. Register with me on jcic.tv on our streaming where you can ask questions and give your comments. And write to me also on our websites. That is dennisbeard.org. 
That is sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com. You can write to me, write the address down. Love to hear from you. Write your letter. Dennis Spirit, uh, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Various, various sites, and any of you that like to donate to the ministry, you can do it. We are close to, I think, 30 internet sites. Uh, don't be uh, upset because we will be, if you in number that carry the truth, don't let that shake you. Paul said the same thing that we're outnumbered, that they carry this truth. So will it be in the last days? Well, until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Spirit saying, Behold, the real Jesus.